In last week's Gospel reading, we were introduced to John the Baptist, and here John speaks. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptised by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to him to be baptised. And they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? And he said to them, Do not exhort money from anyone by threats or false accusations and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah. John answered all of them by saying, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn away with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. You brood of vipers is not a great way to begin a sermon, is it? But is John really trying to insult his audience? Is he really trying to do what Donald Trump is a specialist at, or he was on Twitter before they banned him, of making invectives? Certainly got a lot of people listening, even people who didn't want to. But I think John's doing something quite different here. Because, of course, when you think about vipers and snakes... The first thing you think about, if you're a good Jew, been steeped in the stories of Judaism and the great foundation stories, the first thing you think of is the very first snake that gets mentioned in the scriptures, which is the serpent, the viper, that is later on uh, identified with a Satan or with a devil. There's lots of different words for this in, uh, in the scriptures and lots of different meanings and all of those sorts of things. But that's surely the first thing you think of. And I reckon that's what John's on about here. I reckon he was saying, not an insult to his audience, but reminding his audience and anyone who's reading it since, right up until today, what's really going on here. Even those of us who are children of Abraham, even those of us who are parts of the church, he's telling us we have to tell the truth about our reality. We are liars. 
We lie to ourselves all the time. It's pitiful the way we lie. If you were to lie to your parents as a kid, as badly as you lie to yourself, they would always know. You were like, oh wait, they always did, didn't they? They always knew. Because we're not actually very good at it, but we tell ourselves all kinds of untruths. I mean, look at the situation we're in at the moment with the COVID vaccine. There's a river of untruths flowing through our culture. Some of it produced by people desperate to kind of retain control of their lives. Some of it produced by people who just want to mess the world up. It's confusing people. It's making people unsure about what's right and what's wrong, who's believable and who's not. Of course, not all the people who are refusing the vaccine are anti-vaxxers. It's not that simple. It's really complicated. You will know people who are unsure about whether to get the vaccine because of the things they've heard. We don't know what's truth and what's not. This is the way we've always lived, it turns out. We're always telling each other hard truths about ourselves, particularly about ourselves. I don't want you to know exactly the kind of person I am, so I'll tell you the kind of things I think you would be happy to hear from someone who looks like me. And you all do the same. We spend hours calculating this stuff in our head. We do it so often we don't even know we're doing it. I think John is telling us, let us get down to brass tacks. You've come out to the river. You've come out to the wilderness. There's nothing else here. Now let's be honest. Because you've got to bear fruit worthy of repentance, he said. How do you do that? If you're a tree, you just bear the fruit that you are. If you're an apple tree, that's what you bear. They might be sweet or they might not be, depending on how well the tree's been cared for, but that's all you're going to produce. I think John is reminding us, you cannot be anything other than you already are. Who you essentially are is already there. You are incredibly glorious and incredibly horrible all the time. We all are. That is the nature of being human. And to repent is not to promise to do better. It's not to sort of say, well, I've done all these things and I'm really, really sorry. They may be good things to do. It's not apologising. It's changing. Changing your mindset. Changing the way you think about things. To rethink the world. So to rethink, not all the little lies I tell myself and the white lies I tell you, but to rethink it and tell the truth to myself. And then if I have courage, to tell the truth to somebody I trust. Even if one other person. I used to have a boss who would ask the most profound question frequently. And the question was, who knows what life is like for you? It's a very profound question because half the time there's no one. For some of us, there's never anyone who really knows what it's like to be me. And of course, no one will ever fully know. But who knows what life is like for you, what it's like to be you day to day. So you could tell yourself the truth and and maybe a couple of other people. And of course, as Christians, we say you can do that to God too. Because perhaps in the end, it's only God who doesn't already have a list of things you should and shouldn't do. It's only God who already isn't going, oh, I didn't think you were that kind of person when you tell the truth. You could produce fruit of truth, not of confusion and uncertainty. The truth of who you are and who we are. 
And we don't really know. You know, if you ever see a photograph of yourself in a group, but it's from behind, it takes you a couple of seconds to recognise, oh, that's me. Because I never see that angle. Or if you hear yourself on tape, the first thing you think is, that doesn't sound like me. Everyone else sounds the same because I hear them talking all the time, but I never hear myself talking like that. And here I am on tape. I don't, I, I sound horrible. That we, do, we, we really don't have much of a clue about ourselves at all. But our identity is so much deeper than those things. It's so much deeper than being a child of Abraham, which is not an insignificant thing. That is for John's culture, the identifying mark. That is the centre of who they were. And he said, well, that's actually not the important thing at all. There's something far deeper, far more extraordinary. You are, as Jesus will go on to say very soon, when he calls himself the Son of Man, or a much better translation, he calls himself the Human One. You are, he was, the Human One. We are the Human Ones. We are human beings. We're not just, we're, we're not just kind of a pale imitation of God. We are made literally in the same way as God. We're made in the same image of God. We are far more extraordinary than we ever give ourselves the ability to believe. We're part of something much bigger than we think. We know that we're made out of the exploded bits of stars. We're made out of the universe, each of us. It's an extraordinary story. It's so big that we prefer to talk about it about other people. So that's true about Nelson Mandela, of course. It's true about the Dalai Lama. It's true about Martin Luther King. What if John is reminding us that that is the truth? That's why he yells at them. Come on! This is not the time to waste. The moment is coming, he's saying, and he's about to arrive in Jesus when all of this will happen and you've got to be there and be ready and be available to it. So what should we do? They all ask. Well, you should join a church and you should uh, believe in the virgin birth and you should... He doesn't say any of those things. Why doesn't he? This is a perfect example. If somebody comes here and says, what should I do? I'd say, well, join Clayton Wesley Church. We're a good group of people. John doesn't say anything. He says, basically, be a human being. That's what he says. Be a human being. We know how to be human. How many coats have you got? You only need to be able to count up to two. We know how to be human. And the soldiers knew how to be human. And the tax collectors knew how to be human. He was reminding them. Jackie Lambie gave us a great spray in the Senate the other day, didn't she? As she is wont to do towards the end of the, uh, the parliamentary year, every year. An extraordinary approach to uh, pol politicking that Jackie Lambie has. She said, being held accountable for your own actions isn't called discrimination, talking about those anti-vaxxers within the parliament. It's called, and excuse my language, it's hers, it's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. It's called, John would say, being human. This is the call. This is the unquenchable fire that Malachi talked about in our reading from the prophets last week. 
This is something so powerful that when fire comes, all the rubbish gets burned away and pure silver is left. That's why there's an unquenchable fire at the end of this reading. Not because it's about hellfire and damnation. You just burn up the rubbish. You burn the chaff, the stuff that's of no use anymore. How much stuff in your life is of no use? Forget the spare room with all the junk in it that you don't need anymore. What about the spare room in your brain? All that stuff you've been carrying for years. All the things that you're telling yourself are true about you, which turn out to be not true at all. How do I know this? Because I read it in... No, I didn't read it in a book. It's because that's how I I drag this crap around all the time. This is what we all do. There's an unquenchable fire, John says, and it's just going to keep burning up the rubbish. And it turns out that when you find rubbish, you find actually there's a lot more than I thought there was. And so there's a bit more. And then there's a bit more. That's okay, because that'll keep getting burnt up. The burning will keep going. And each time the burning goes, Malachi says, we get down to pure silver and gold. The purity of who you are, the essence of who you are, which is what? A human one. We are human. We are made in the image of God, all of us. Those of us who think we are and those of us who think we're not. Those of us who would like to be and those of us who are pretty sure it's not possible. Those are irrelevant. This is the deep and honest truth. The unquenchable fire burns the rubbish. And we get to live in truth. That's what John's calling us to. That's what he's setting us up for with the arrival of Jesus in the next few verses.